1: Roundtable podcast. You can find the show at Championship Pod on Twitter. I'm Louis Shackshaft, football writer, blogger, and podcast host for you
0: today. Hi, I'm Jake. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jappell with two N's, and I write for EPL Index. Great to have you with us again, Jake, as ever.
1: Um, sorry we didn't record last week. We had a few minor technical issues uh, but we're back on it this week and first and foremost as ever we go straight into results roundup so if you don't mind Jake taking us uh, through the results from the weekend's fixtures.
0: Yeah I'll do that. Um There was a one all draw at the Badeski between Reading and Rotherham. Uh Sheffield, uh Sheffield Wednesday beat Swansea 3-1. Stoke drew one all with Aston Villa. Birmingham drew 2 all with Blackburn. Brentford hammered Hull at home 5-1. Leeds got a late win against Bolton 2-1. Middlesbrough won 2-0 at home against QPR. Preston won 3-1 away from home against Millwall. Norwich came from behind to beat Inform Bristol City 3-2. Wigan got a late equaliser to draw against Ipswich. And Sheffield United beat West Brom in the late game. Thank you for
1: that, Jake. Obviously, quite a lot of fixtures for Saturday. Um, More often than not, we don't particularly get a full fixture list. We're only waiting on the Nottingham Forest versus uh, Derby fixture and the result in that one. So plenty of three o'clock kickoffs this Saturday. Uh, But are there any particular wins or surprises from this weekend, Jake, that stood out for you in particular?
0: Yeah, I think the I think the the Norwich game for me was a little bit of a surprise. Not that the Norwich won, I think I think they were favoured to get into the game, but to score three goals against this Bristol City team, who, who haven't mm-hmm. conceded many at all recently, uh, got a really good defensive record, only conceded in 33 in the whole season now, which is, is the second best in the top six behind only Middlesbrough, who are, who are famed for their defence. For Norwich to get three goals in that game, and especially coming from behind twice, is really impressive, and I think it's a massive shot in the arm for their title challenge after their... Lost a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's huge that so they're they're back on track, top of the table. And that that is huge for them. With only twelve games to go, it looks like they're they're definitely the the favourites uh, to finish in that top spot now. Um, Sheffield United for me beating West Brom was a bit of a shock. I know we tipped West Brom a couple of weeks ago, and that's already looking like a bit of a long shot now. Still not over. Still only six points at mm. the top. But yeah, that that was a huge game, and I think that it was always going to be likely that the winners of this one. Uh, Really push on and and become favourites to secure a top two spot, and I think Sheffield United have done that now. Uh, Darren Moore made a few questionable comments off the game about how his team have run out of steam, or, or it was one game too far. I mean, there's another there's another twelve to go, Darren. So that's a that's a bit of an issue if you're already <laughs> thinking like that, and if, if you're going to be in the playoffs, there's going to be a few more after that. So they're they're a little bit worrying for for West Brom fans. Um, yeah, it's not not too too many other shocks. I I, I saw Sheffield Wednesday winning 3-1 at home was a bit of a shock against Swansea after what they did to Brentford last week in the FA Cup but it's one of those things that Swansea don't have a lot to play for. Maybe the FA Cup took a lot out of them. I know they've got a a thin squad down there so yeah, it's a bit of a surprise but a huge win for Sheffield Wednesday and now you've got Four teams clumped on 44 points, um, Swansea Hull, Blackburn and Sheffield Wednesday, and there's three of those we've talked about for playoffs this season. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that they're sort of secured right in the middle of the table, those four. Um, but yeah, I thought it yep. was a good win for Sheffield Wednesday, and I think there's, there's no chance of relegation now. And, and maybe over the next 13 games, they've got 13 left to go that Steve Bruce can build something for next season, which I think has got to be the hope.
1: Yeah, hopefully. It's interesting you mentioned that game because I wasn't going to actually, but it was nice to finally get a win under Bruce. obviously is unbeaten as a manager yet um, at Wednesday, um, but we've come off three draws in a row, all off teams in, in you know the bottom half and probably should have been winning a couple of those games to actually run out 3-1 winners and be 3-0 up at half-time, you'll be pleased to hear, Jake, as a Newcastle fan, that Aaron's and Lazar put in fantastic performances. And, and if not, they were probably, you know, Aaron's in particular was probably the man of the match on that day. Um, but, yeah, some great performances all around. Uh, the only other game that I'd like to pick out is uh, the Brentford game, obviously, putting five past Hull City. Um, Ben Rama with a hat-trick in that game which we'll probably come on to when we talk about standout players, Uh, but Brentford obviously having a hit-and-miss season where they were doing fantastically well at the beginning before Dean Smith left uh, for Aston Villa, then obviously they went on a bit of a slump, they're still in the bottom half of the table, Uh, but then to put five past Old City, who have been one of the form teams since Christmas um, was a fantastic result, and I still think that um, Brentford are one of the best footballing sides in division despite them being 16th in the table they're really one of them sides you, you know you're unsure what they're going to do on the day but they've won five out of the last six games so uh, credit to them um, but yeah the other ones for me Sheffield United beating West Brom and uh, Norwich City coming from behind at one stage also when they were 2-1 down to beat Bristol City 3-2 was a a huge result. And McLean's finding, obviously, his goal-scoring boots at at the right time and he he managed to score a brace. Are there any standout players then from this weekend that um, spring to mind, Jake, for you in particular?
0: Yeah, there's a a few. Um, I thought... um... Paul Gallagher for Preston had a very good game, getting two assists in S3-1. Went to to, uh, away to Millwall, moving them six points off the playoffs. I know they've they've played 34 games, which puts them at a bit of a disadvantage. But a few, a few months ago, Louis, I was talking about them for playoffs, and they are starting to surge up towards those spots. I think there's, there's not enough games left for them to do it, but I think mm-hmm. they're definitely going to finish higher than they currently are, uh, and they're going to have room to get into the next season. Um I think from the Sheffield United game, Kieran Dow um, obviously got the winning goal. I thought he was very, very good, and he showed the form that he um, displayed last year at Nottingham Forest. Uh, I said when he signed, I thought he was a good signing, uh, and it, you know delivering a key performance like that uh, in a massive game showed. Um, and then you can go to the Norwich and Bristol City game for a, a number of good performances on both teams, I thought. I thought... Uh, Jamie Patterson and Callum O'Dowd were very good for Bristol City. Um, and then obviously you had um, Hernandez, I thought, had a good game. Uh, and obviously McLean getting two goals. Um, you know He deserves credit for that as well. Uh, and Godfrey at the back getting a goal. Um, yes, yeah, there's lots of good performances, but for me the big ones were Kieran Dow and Paul Gallagher. Yeah,
1: good shouts because uh, you've named a couple of players that I haven't listed. Um, so for me, again... Uh, Shay Adams he keeps popping up with the goals doesn't he manage to score a, a brace against Blackburn and for me, I can only imagine that Shea Adams, I was surprised maybe he didn't leave in January. Maybe a few clubs are still going to have their eye on him in the summer and he may not be at Birmingham uh, later this year. But yeah, he keeps popping up with the goals. Obviously, I've mentioned Ben Rama with the hat-trick already, but he's, as we know, is on his day one of the best players in the, in this division and, and he scored a couple of blinding goals also to go. With the others, um, you've mentioned McLean, who's who's scored a brace. Uh, I'm going to mention Adam Reach. Obviously, he's not scored, you know, for a while since scoring those worldies against West Brom and Leeds, which seemed like an ages ago. So, um, for him to score a brace and yeah, find his goal-scoring boots because since Bruce come in, he's he's played in a couple of positions, and you know, is is one of those players who kind of just gets on with it. And for him to bag a brace, he's, he's managed to get a few assists recently, but to get him back on the score sheet can only be good for us. And then I'm going to mention uh, a clean sheet for Dean Henderson. Like you've already talked about, uh, Dowell at Sheffield United but I'm going to mention Henderson who like I say we always talk about West Brom how many goals they score the attacking threats and I think for Sheffield United to keep a clean sheet in that game uh, which I predicted a West Brom win then it's all credit again to the defence and, and their display so I'm going to pick out the goalkeeper Henderson there and and all credit to them because Sheffield United just keep you know week by week pulling out these results and yeah won three in a row now and and, fit and sit second in the league so yes they've they've got a fantastic opportunity in 12 games ahead of them and it's for players like Dowell and Sharp and Henderson that are keeping them up there with this fantastic spine that they've got in the team um but moving on to the topics proper Jake um we're I know we missed um, obviously recording last week um, and McLean at Norwich was the most guilty of missing a penalty at Norwich uh, recently. What is with Norwich City and, and the penalty curse? What do you think that is all about? Because they've missed six out of seven penalties this season. Is there anything you can pinpoint or
0: put your finger on that you think there may be an issue with? It's difficult. I don't think there's a... There's a there's a reason for it. I I mean the, the the obvious one is that they don't have anybody that's good at penalties in their team. But even that seems a bit of a stretch. I think it's a bit of bad luck and just a bit just just one of these things that happened. You know, some players will go through scoring 15, 20 penalties in a row, um, but then there are others that will you know teams that will miss that many it's it's it is mm. a complete lottery i know i know it's a bit of a cliche but it is um I don't think it's anything to worry about for Norwich. The only thing where it could potentially become a problem is if they did end up in the playoffs and had to you know go down that route as a way yeah. of deciding a tie but the way things are going, I don't think they're going to have to rely on penalties to, to, to get anywhere at the end of the season, so I wouldn't be too concerned in that that regard. But it just seems, yeah, it's just it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I, I can't put my finger on if there's a reason for it, I should, apart from not having a, a quality but, um, quality player to take them, because, you know, you've got, you, if you look down the rest of the league, you could probably pick your penalty, penalty taker out of a lot of those teams, but I don't think you can. Mm. Norwich is nobody obvious, um, which is odd because there's a lot of, Good technical players there, so you'd think that a lot of them would be able to take a penalty kick, but apparently not.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's ex- that's what I thought. You know, like say the players that they've got who've proved themselves, and you know, they're, they're gifted in in many areas of the field, and particularly in attack. You'd have thought that you know, taking a penalty would would not be an issue. And like you say, it might be just an element of bad luck. But one thing that I did pick out um, and see what you think about this, um, but the, the penalties that they have missed in the league this season, uh, Jordan Rhodes has missed one, uh, Varancic, Puki, Stieperman, McLean. Do you think it's a bit of a strange decision that five penalty takers have all missed the penalty instead of sticking with particularly one player uh, like Pukki for example or Varancic you know should should he have been taking or one of those players been taking all five penalties rather than rotating the penalty taker based on them, someone else missing that previously what do you think about that?
0: Yeah I think there's definitely a case for it I think if yeah you have your penalty taker and you stick with them uh, I can't remember who it was I, it, I think it might have been um, Louis Van Howell at Man United who used to have a a policy way to have a penalty take until they missed and they would switch it uh, mm. to the next one um, I don't know if that sort of thing has been employed at Norwich because they seem to be changed every single time but it's that lack of consistency I think and, and obviously the, the, the people t- taking it up now they're, they're fifth sixth choice aren't they according to their managers yeah. so that doesn't really give them a lot of confidence yeah um, yeah, I think, I think they should probably stick with one. I, Pookie would probably be the one for me. He scored, he's used to scoring goals. And he can as a striker, you know, you have that ability to put misses behind you. They don't affect you as much as they do other players uh, because you know you've you know you've got to be alert for your next chance. And Pookie sort, sort of strikes me as the type of player that doesn't care about missing chances. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons he's been so effective this season. So, yeah, for me, he should be taking the penalties. But, obviously... Um, the, the, the coaching staff um, see what goes on every day and trade it, and maybe there's reasons for the the constant change I'm not sure it it's difficult um but yeah I think fog would stick with one really
1: yeah just I've done a bit of research as well so just to put it into perspective um obviously, Norwich have missed quite a few penalties this season. Uh, but top of the penalty scoring list is actually West Brom. They've scored six penalties this season. Uh, Norwich have only scored the one, having missed, obviously, quite a, you know, a handful more. Uh, and bottom of the league is Bolton. They're the only team not to have scored a penalty this season, with zero, obviously. Uh, so it just shows, yeah, you know, if, if Norwich had have converted maybe four or five penalties more so in the league this season... Um, you know they they may have had obviously an, an advantage. I know there's been a couple of games when they've been three and four nil up and missed penalties, uh, but obviously Norwich may have you know in this case of converting penalties may may have had three points more on the board. But it's also interest interesting that Norwich City, like I say, have only scored one penalty. But when you look at goals from open play, uh, Norwich sit quite comfortably at the top of that league, which is they've managed to score fifty six from 68 goals this season from open play and second on that list is actually West Brom, which is no surprise. But West Brom have only scored 42 goals from open play this season. So Norwich have got an advantage of 14 more goals have scored than West Brom in second uh, from open play this season, which comes as quite a surprise. Does that shock you as well, Jake?
0: Yeah, I think that does shock me, actually, Um, to be honest. You know, the the conversations we have... um, about West Brom mm. being such a good attacking team, you know, that that has surprised me. I'm not gonna.
1: Yeah, it did me. As soon as I pulled up the research and had a look at that, I was I was very much surprised that uh, they had scored many goals, so many goals from open play. Um, but at the same time, this the I think this is 17th in the league for goals from set pieces. Norwich, so obviously. They're the struggling in that area where Aston Villa first and they have scored about 19-20 goals this season. The, the,
0: uh, the, the thing I would say about set-piece goals as well, I think it's... Not to not to pick out a farc here, which is going to sound like I am, but set pieces are something that don't change from game to game, don't change from opposition to opposition. Mm. Um, you know, there's something you can practice a drill and get good at, and and, and they're probably quite underutilized at the, at the very top of the game because they're seen as unfashionable. But yeah. you you can have a good attractive team that p- plays good football and be good at set pieces there's no there's no reason why only boring teams can be seen as being good at set pieces because Aston Villa obviously are one that we say play good football but they're, they're well drilled and they get a lot of goals from set pieces and I know the top coaches look at set pieces as a, as a real avenue for goals because you get an extra you know 10% on your goal tally if you will become good at set pieces so exactly it's yeah. a, that's a that's a surprising one because you know I would have thought far somebody you know that's come up through the German system it, who knows like the importance of of utilizing every single avenue i think it is surprising that one, and I think something that that you know, is gonna be that that could be improved on over the coming season especially if they go up to the premier league that is definitely an area they're gonna have to improve on.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is interesting looking at those stats, yeah, and and yeah, like I say, I was just completely surprised by Norwich's fifty-six goals from open play this season, and you know everyone is everyone else in the league is a hell of hell of a long way behind, even West Brom. Uh, but yeah, if they were to improve, then obviously set pieces is is something that they can focus on. Uh, but moving on to the next topic, Jake, um, there's possible sanctions for Birmingham this week um for breaking efl spending rules now the hearing this week might see birmingham encounter a 12 point deduction uh, but i wondered what your thoughts are on this process and the possible conclusion of the sanction and what you think potentially could happen to birmingham if they do go again into an embargo or they do have a point deduction and is a point deduction
0: fair yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I think we knew this this was coming for a long time with Birmingham, the, the way they spent recklessly, um, under Harry Redknapp especially. Um, I know they, they're currently under a transfer ban, are they not, already? Um,
1: yes, So and as well, they made it very much worse by um, signing Pedersen when they were in the embargo, if you remember. So they bought Pedersen for £2 million, I believe it was, in total, during the embargo and obviously they've technically therefore broken the EFL spending rules even further by doing so so i'm guessing the punishment um, even though 12 points seems harsh and going into a further embargo for maybe another year or two um maybe by breaking the you know rules twice then maybe it is a sufficient p- punishment i don't know what you think about that i think that. so
0: i think so i think they need to be punished for for obviously breaking rules because they're there for a reason and if 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 they don't if, you know they're not made examples of other teams that could have followed suit and I don't think that's quite fair um, so would the points deduction be this season or would it be next
1: no it'd be this season so there's a possible 12 point deduction
0: which straight away would take them down let's
1: say that well they're on 47 points now let's That'd take say them down
0: at- with Wigan wouldn't it on yes, to 35
1: points, so even though Birmingham, you wouldn't expect to be relegated, even with a points deduction, it really puts them in the mix where if, un- in the unlikely event that Reading and Rotherham start picking up points, um, that, yes, they could end up in the mix of a relegation fight, which would seem strange, but at the same time, like you said, if they are breaking rules and continue to do so, which they obviously did, then, um, yeah, maybe 12 12- points points is sufficient
0: you know the the thing with the EFL spending rules that where they're at I think there is there is room to break them but if you do that you're going to have to make you know down the certain you're going to go up because Mm. I, I think Brighton would have been in line for a massive you know massive yep. fine and, and, and yep. transfer embargo. because if they hadn't got up that season they did so you know if you're going to do it you're going to make you have to make sure you do it well enough that you, you get out of the league uh, and like Wolves did didn't yeah. they They have
1: spent loads of money and obviously managed to yeah flew into first position and went straight up uh, but yeah I'm, up, I, yeah exactly and I'm I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen to Birmingham because my club is on the borderline of being a culprit of breaking EFL spending rules and Although I'm not a fan of the exact rules that are in place, you know, obviously there's parachute payments what come down from, you know, that Premier League relegation, which I don't agree with because obviously players, you know, teams like Sheffield Wednesday, who I support and your Derbys and, you, you know, your Nottingham Forest, teams like that, who've, you know, been in this division what seems to be ages now, obviously don't have an advantage compared to those teams that have been relegated. And at the same time, if you've got a chairman who's got, plenty of money and is willing to spend it yes put a cap on it but i think 36 million pound over a three-year period it isn't a lot of money at all to be making losses particularly in this day and age maybe if it was double that amount 72 million then it would probably seem fair but they're obviously in place for a reason but yeah whatever the outcome of the birmingham city sanction if you like if whenever that happens in this next week or so um i'm intrigued to see what punishment they do get because there's the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and Aston Villa maybe even who are going to be maybe not punished as severe but punished again if they, you know, have spent too much in, in P&S. So um, we will see, I guess, Jake. Yeah, it's it's going to be really intriguing to see whether Birmingham get the 12-point ban and, you know, a lot of this season would be in vain based on their eighth at the minute. You know, they've still got the opportunity for the playoffs, but even a six-point deduction would just see them obviously swoop to halfway and there'd be no, you know, light at the end of the tunnel based on this season. And if they go into an embargo for the, you know, next season again, then maybe Birmingham, you know, we've touched on Shea Adams and players like that, Lucas Jukovic, then, Maybe it's time. That'd be time for them to go, and it'd be, it'd be the right moment for them to move on. I don't, I don't know whether, whether you, what you think about, such as Adams and, and Jukovic if they were to go into a ban, what do you think they'd move on?
0: It's difficult, isn't it? Because on the one hand, the players most likely would want to go and go to a club that would be progressing and not one that is standing still, like Birmingham would be. But on the other hand, can mm. Birmingham afford to just sell players if they can't bring anybody in? It, it's, it's, it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah, rock and a hard place sort of situation. So it'll be interesting to see how it played out. I think Adams, especially, would 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 push to go. But yeah, I do. But that. I do. But if they did say get a, a two window transfer embargo, a points deduction d- to to sell your best player on the top of that as well, it's not really it's not really a good pr pr thing to do. So yeah, it, it's going to be a very interesting situation to see how it plays out. Uh, and I think the punishments it, are going to be huge in determining how you know the future of Birmingham City, um, which is it, it, it's sad for the fans because it's, it's no it's no, yeah. you know that no they've done nothing wrong but uh, you know it's just if if your club are going to break the rules you're going to you're going to get the punishment and they're now going to get those and it, it's sad because it, I think they're <laughs> building something good under Gary Monk but if they've done it illegally then you no know, it's difficult to feel a lot of sympathy.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I just hope that. You know, whatever the sanctions are, the EFL remain consistent. I, I don't like, you know, one club breaks wrong, one one rule, another club breaks the same rule, but there's different punishments for different clubs. If that makes sense. And and while we're on the topic, actually, we're gonna I'm gonna just bring up, if you don't mind, Jake, uh, the Leeds Spygate affair, which saw Leeds fined two hundred thousand um, pound. Again, that's when I'm talking about rules and the punishments that put in place. Two hundred thousand pounds seemed a hell of a lot to me. Um, I know, in you know, in, in monetary terms for a football club, it's not a lot of money at all. But when you compare punishments for clubs that have, you know, fans have been fighting or um, there's, you know, racism chants or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, that goes on, and cl- typically a club's fine between. 10 and 25 thousand pound it just seemed you know 10 times that amount that leads have been punished for something that yes was immoral yes unethical but actually wasn't illegal Um, what do you think about that situation
0: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
1: nice dress Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt
0: until you tried it on same goes for your healthcare. It's, it's difficult to to compare the two, really. I think the Spygate thing was very much a it was a new a new thing in English football. We hadn't seen anything like it, so it's, we didn't have much of a you know a, a a previous example to go on, a precedent so to speak, uh, to mm. to enforce the law, laws against it. And because it was you know so unique, it was difficult to give them a huge punishment for that because. It you know it, it could be just a, a misunderstanding on it. Although I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure Beales knew he was doing something wrong. It you know it's difficult to prove that. Uh, and and as such, they couldn't go big on the the bit big on the punishment. I I think that would have been the case of any club. I don't think just because it was Leeds United they they got a, a lesser punishment. Whereas this financial um, financial rules have been broken before in England. They'll be broken again. There's been punishments before, there's been transfer bargains, there's been points deductions, it's not a new thing, so you've got to stick with what's happened in the past yeah. and, and what what is the letter of the law and, and the precedent and, and, and apply it here. There's, you can't change that, I think. It, it's difficult to compare the two for me. Uh, and I know that some will be disappointed. Leeds didn't get a bigger punishment, but I just don't think it really warranted one.
1: No, I agree to an extent. I think you know a slap on the wrist, um don't do it again kind of thing, and maybe I understand there's a fine in place, but two hundred thousand pound, like I say, compared to some other things that go on in this world, and there's a lot less a fine than I thought it was. It was hefty in that regard, but other people may disagree. Uh, but yes, it's going to be a very interesting week for Birmingham City, so we will see what the consequences are there. Uh, but moving on to the next topic, Jake. Um, as ever, the you know they, they do super cute computer predictions for the final league standings. They do it for the Premier League. They do it obviously in League One, League Two. But we've had a look at the Championship ones, um, and the supercomputer, even though they're generally wrong, come the end of the season because it's the Championship. Anything can happen. You know, take West Brom losing to Sheffield United recently. I'd have had that as a home win or a draw all day long. Um, and maybe the super supercomputer did also. But the final league standings say that Norwich are going to finish first on 92 points with West Brom in second on 87, which we'll find interesting. Um, and then your playoff spots then belong to Sheffield United in third on 84, Leeds on 83, Middlesbrough on 81, and then Bristol City. Um, interesting to see them... Uh, taking the final playoff spot according to the supercomputer on 76 points, um, and down at the bottom actually there's there's no movement. The only thing which may seem surprising is the lack of points that the supercomputer's predicted, which is Rotherham to go down in 22nd on 36 points. Uh, Bolton then on 30 and Ipswich rock, bottom on 27 what's your thoughts on those predictions by the so-called supercomputer Jake
0: yeah I think it's difficult to really really buy into put any faith in, in those predictions but, like what what is what does the sim- supercomputer base it on results mm. it's interesting let's know thing on that and I think the thing with football there's so many human qualities and there's so much you know human error and and pressure and momentum and things that go into the running that just can't be you know brought about by numbers um yeah I wouldn't say too much I think that, that it's very much a case of that the the is predicts pretty much exactly the same hasn't it so it's not so like
1: really. there, thereabouts there's a bit of movement in the top six obviously it's, it's got West Brom to finish second um, I don't know whether it it obviously takes in fixtures for the remainder of the season I don't know if it considers goals for or goals against or goal difference or home for and away from it, it must it must predict everything under that umbrella that we've just discussed but it's like you say you can't predict human error Um you know, sendings off, injuries, all these kinds of things. So for it to predict, like I say, Norwich to finish top, then, you know, most people in the country could probably do that. You know, they're sat top now and, you know, one of the form teams in the league and I've been all season. And then for the bottom, I think, you know, someone who doesn't even know about football could probably predict Rotherham, Bolton, and it switched to come in the bottom three. Uh, There's only probably, you could make a case for Reading falling in there. Um... But yeah, it's it is a strange one when I see the computer supercomputer predictions because it actually I find it intriguing I always want to look and think you know what I'm, I'm going to take a look and see where you know my club's going to finish you know who it does think will finish the top two but based on recent years I think that it's turned out to be a load of rubbish if I'm honest Jake do you?
0: <laughs> yeah I do and I think I've, I've got <laughs> another sort of predicted probabilities table in front of me that I'd, I'd put a yeah. lot more faith into um, I'm sure a lot of people know uh, Ben Mayhew on Twitter he, mm-hmm. he does a lot of- yeah. Experiment expecti- uh expected um, expected goals stuff, which is you know becoming more and more into the mainstream um, in in the UK, um, seen on Match of the Day and things like that. And he yeah. ha- uh, and he has sup- sort of probabilities based on the expected goals model, so that is quality of chances created. Um, and, and he uses that to to base you know what results will be and the likelihood uh, and things like that. And it, his current pr- um, probabilities are leads top of the table with okay. about a sixty. chance of top two, Norwich in second with about a 61% chance of top two, Um, and then you have Sheffield United who've got just over a 50% chance of top two, and then you go down to West Brom, Middlesbrough, and Derby being the third one into the playoffs, Um, the uh, the fourth one into the playoffs just ahead of Bristol City, Uh, and there's about a couple of percent in in, in that one, and then in the bottom three he's got Ipswich with I'd say a 99% chance of going down, which is they're pretty much gone. Bolton uh, got about a nine percent chance of staying up. It's not a lot, uh, and then he's got Reddick, <laughs> Redding third bottom, right? Okay, just 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 below, uh, and then Rotherham just above. So I think that one still a lot of problems with that one. Uh, expected goals, I know there's a lot of criticism of it, but I'd put more faith in that than I would in in a supercomputer because at least you know what's going into those predictions and, and, and those probabilities
1: yeah yes it's, it's, it's like you say you can understand that more it's just interesting that the uh the supercomputers predicted leads to finish fourth yeah experimental 361 ben mayo uh ben mayo on uh, twitter's predicted leads to finish top based on that probability so yeah it, it does kind of prove that you know just based on predictions it's just luck of the draw i'm guessing it's like just putting you know a a pound on an accumulator um at the weekend and it's just a case of having a bit of luck on the day and it's and it's similar to that so yes we'll see you know we'll have to wait till 46 games and we'll see come the end of the season which comes the closest uh, but for me yes I'm, I'm still predicting Norwich and West Brom to finish top two um, so yeah different <laughs> different predictions all around from computers and human beings this time uh, but that takes us nicely into previews and predictions Jake and um, so the first game we're going to touch on huge Game okay, on Friday night, uh, quarter to eight kickoff is Leeds United at home to West Bromwich Albion. Uh, what's your preview and prediction for that game.
0: Yeah, this is huge, isn't it? Um, mm, yeah, one, one of one of two or three big games this weekend, actually, uh, for me. Uh, and I think it's. See, before this weekend, I would have said West Brom, uh, but they they didn't really impress me against Sheffield Wednesday. The uh, Sheffield United, sorry, uh, second time I've done that in this podcast. <laughs> I do apologise, Louis. <laughs> but, Sorry. um, but, but yeah, I think it's going to be... Oh, I, th- I think it's going to be a draw just because I just haven't seen enough from Leeds recently to really warrant predicting them to win. But I'd say they're the more likely winners for me because I think Darren Moore's comments were very worrying about them, sort of, you know, already seem, seem to be a, have run out of gas. You know, used to Premier League seasons, these West Brom players, you know, normally they don't have another four games to play. They don't have that this time, so... It, it could be that, that that they're not quite up to the fitness level for the championship, which which would be a surprise. But it, you know, it could could be the case. So for for me, I'm going to go for a draw. But if I'd lead, if you'd have to push me away, I'd go Leeds. Well, I'll say one all uh, draw on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence as well because it's it's such a tough one to predict. Leeds have only lost three games at home all season, whereas West Brom have got the best away record in the league. They've only lost four on the road, uh, but they have won 10. So for this reason, I think it could be end-to-end. It could be a really good game. I'm going to predict a two-all draw, and I'm going to say the same as you, actually, Jake. If I was pushed, I would go Leeds just because... Obviously, West Brom losing against Sheffield United. I think, you know, Leeds have got the, the better form and they will have the home advantage. But, yes, if I were putting money on it, I would go 2 all in this one. Um, and then into Saturday, uh, we've got a game at the bottom end of the table. Both teams need to win. 3 o'clock kick-off, Ipswich versus Reading. What's your preview and prediction for that?
0: Yeah, it's another difficult one to, to predict for me um reading i think have i think they've shown good signs under Jose Gomez i think oliveira was a good sign i think martinez we've spoken about him on the podcast before i think he was a good sign and uh it's slightly surprised they didn't beat rotherham at the weekend to be honest i thought that was one that they they'd get the win but rotherham <clears> think, have picked up five draws in the spin. just seemed to be very good at just getting point after point after point and and they're probably hoping that that's enough to keep them up with reading dropping points elsewhere um yeah, Ipswich has shown a bit of bit of form as well. Three draws in the spin. It's, it's still a lot of draws going on at the bottom of the table at the moment, to be honest. Reading has yeah. got like four draws in their last six. Um, I'm going to... I think I might surprise you, Eloy. I think I might go for an Ipswich win. I don't know why. I don't know why, oh, okay. why I'm going for that. I, I, I have no no reason, but I, I'm just going to... They've got I, to win I, sometime, haven't they? I just <laughs> think it's a weird one. I think they might do it, you know. I think they're going to win... Um, at home and, and taking off to twenty four point six off red in not impossible. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think they're going to win. They have absolutely no no idea why. I, just, I think they they were they were good signs uh, at the weekend against Wigan. Um, probably should have won that game, but they you know. But I think yeah that I know did they have ten men? I, I think they did. They went down. I Yeah, they they oh, went down to ten men. Um, yeah. So you know to hold to nearly get three points, you know, to go one and up and nearly hold on for the three points only conceding an injury time of 10 minutes quite a quite a feat even if it was only against Wigan. Yeah, he yeah,
1: got, got sent off after about 30 minutes yeah, as he well did. I believe, so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
0: I think that was a good um, fighting spirit shown by um, switching that one and, and nearly holding on and it would have been a disappointment but it's definitely somewhere to build on and I think they're going to beat Reading. I don't have that um, I, I quite like Reading under gamers as well. I think they've had good signs, but yeah, I think they're gonna I think Ipswich gonna win. I just don't think Reading have got enough goals in them at the moment. I think Ipswich are gonna nick one here. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go for an Ipswich win.
1: Fair enough. I'm gonna get straight to the point and I'm just gonna predict a nil nil draw, to be honest, because looking at the table, um if you you take the bottom six right from Wigan down to Ipswich, they've only won between them, between Wigan, Millwall, Reading, Rotherham, Bolton, Ipswich, they've only won four games between them in the last six games combined. So uh, 36 games, there's only been four four victories, uh, but there's been 23 draws. And it's like you say, the likes of Rotherham who've just drawn five in a row. Um, Reading have drawn four of the last six. Um, Wall have drawn three of the last six. So have Wigan. Uh, Ipswich have drawn the last three. So for that reason, yes, there's there's no other reason for me to not predict a draw. So yeah, I'm just going to say nil-nil. Or like as we know, that th- there's not many goals between them. So it, it could be 1-1. One, one, but for that reason, I'm just going to say a point apiece. Um, and I think that... Ipswich are just, yeah, I think they're down and out already and buried. And uh, Reading, I still think they'll scrape 21st just above Rotherham, but that could go down to the last game of the season. And it's games like this where they need to be at least drawing. So, yeah, I'm just going to stick with, a sit on the fence again a little bit and and predict a a nil-nil draw. Uh, And then the other game, a big game as well, uh, is three o'clock kick off Aston Villa versus Derby. Uh, what's your thoughts on that one? Both potentially, obviously Derby more so pushing for the playoffs, but Villa with still a huge opportunity if they win this one.
0: This one's difficult to predict purely because Derby have yet to play this weekend, so we don't know how that's going to go. Um, but yeah, Aston Villa still can't win games. Hmm. They they just can't win matches, which is which is very odd um so yeah i, I i'm going to go for a draw in this one <laughs> i hate to, but i think it's going to be a good draw i think it's going to be a tool i think it'll be an entertaining one but i think it will be a draw fair enough
1: i'm going to go with a derby win actually i'm going to go with an away win in this one and it's simply because like you've just said villa are still playing some decent football they're capable of scoring a lot of goals but they're still not one in 5 league games now Uh, losing two of those whereas Derby yes they can be inconsistent but they've still got a bit of ruthlessness about them and and they can get victories I think they've just got that bit of added quality when they need to um, even though it's going to be difficult at Villa Park but I I think they can still go and get that win so I'm going to think There's quite a few goals going to be scored, I believe, uh, but I'm going to predict 2-1 to Derby in this one. Uh, But unfortunately, Jake, with that, we're out of time. If you'd like to tell our listeners where they can find you, now would be a good time.
0: Yeah, you can uh, obviously get the show... Uh, in the normal places, you can get the Premier League show as well. If you want to check that one out, it's quite a good one this week. I was on it, so you might want to avoid it in that sense. Um, <laughs> but no, you get me on Twitter at Jake with two Ns if anything I've said has is wrong, because I'm sure some of it was, and I'm quite happy to, to be told that. So yeah, hit me up there.
1: Yeah, I might do it. When we've finished recording, uh, I'll I'll tell you where you went wrong, Jake. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, and I've been your host at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter. Remember to follow the show at Championship Pod, where we post each show to our pin tweet. Please subscribe, like, and retweet the show. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time.